Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. It's been a while, but we're back with another edition of the Macroport Podcast. I am Mike McMahon, and our guest today is the head coach of the Merrimack men's ice hockey team, Scott Bork. We talk a lot about the upcoming season. We run through all of the recruits that are coming in. Uh, we talked about the schedule. We talked about getting back to recruiting in person. We talked about a lot of the, the stuff with the league and, and how the, the schedule came together. And we talked a, a whole bunch about the recruits that they have coming in and what their roles are going to be and how they're going to fit in and, and, and uh, just a lot. Uh, we packed in a lot in this episode. It's kind of a summer check-in uh, with everything going on Merrimack hockey. So I hope you enjoy it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get right to it with the head coach of the Merrimack men's ice hockey team, Scott Borg. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty, there's no more Genos left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect twig for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick. Completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. Here with Merrimack head coach Scott Bork. We haven't done one of these in person in a while. I'm trying to think. It's probably been like, it's probably been... 18 months? I mean, we've done them over the phone, but we haven't done one of these in person That's in true. quite a while. Yeah. We have. It's been a long time, but it's awful nice to do one without a mask on. I know, for sure. Uh, we have a lot to catch up on, so I, this is going to be a good one. Uh, buckle up if you're listening to this in your car, because we've got a, the schedule to talk about, incoming, a ton of topics to talk about. But let's start first with uh, Jim Reynolds, the first head coach in, in program history, uh, who a lot of people that, that have been in games here have probably seen him around. Uh, I know he recently passed away, but uh, one of the, the – if you were to put a Mount Rushmore uh, of, of Merrimack hockey, there's no doubt that he'd be on it. You know, Jim uh, Jim has, has been a great supporter of the program ever since he – I think he actually started it. Um, it was a story that he told me that uh, the way it went with him and the president at the time. Um, he did end up marrying the president's secretary, uh, <laughs> and she was still his wife when I met him. And 
Um, I think that probably helped him get the program started. But he had a lot of stories to tell. I know Coach Denny, he was very good at bringing him back to the building, and he was certainly appreciative of that. Um, I had the opportunity to go and visit him at home, um, and it was really a, it was a special experience, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was able to give him one of the first, actually the first alumni coin that we gave uh, was to Jim. Uh, but the, the impressive thing was that it was, a, it was shocking to me at his age, he was in his 90s, still had all his faculties, but how much Merrimack College and specifically how much Merrimack hockey meant to him. So uh, really sorry to see him go, uh, but he certainly was a great ambassador for our school uh, and for our program and, and thinking nothing but the best for his family and, and um, hoping he's doing doing okay in his place that he is now. Yeah, I, I remember seeing him. He used to be up in the Blue Line Club quite a bit and, and would come to games, I think with his daughter and I think his grandkids were there too. So it was a... He, he was here quite a bit, and it was a, it was a family atmosphere when he was here. Yeah, his his daughter really she lived with him, uh, and she took a lot of care for him. And it was really nice when I went there. How much it mattered to her that Merrimack was in the house. You know, it just it's pretty special when you when you are representing a school uh, to someone who it matters that much to. And that that was a lot of fun. And uh, I was sorry to see him go, but really happy that I had the opportunity to to embrace him and bring him not back in, but bring him part of our Merrimack sure. family. Sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the schedule before we get in. I want to talk about recruits too and the guys that you've already announced, but the schedule, it's starting to, to creep out there a little bit. I know <clears throat> Hockey East has taken a little longer than uh, some of the other leagues have already had theirs out for a while. I think uh, NCHC had theirs out pretty quickly. Big Ten had theirs out pretty quickly. But uh, what does the schedule look like? Uh, I know I don't think it's been released yet, but from what you can say, what, what has been your impressions of it and what, what kind of what is it? how does it shape up, I guess? Well, the schedule is a, is a – it's a challenge coming off of the COVID year, obviously, uh, particularly with non-league opportunities because there were some contracts that weren't met last year and different schools react to that differently. Um, but certainly the, the schedule, our schedule is done. Um, it was changed dramatically by the league. Um, I don't really want to get into that because I wasn't really excited about the way the league moved our schedule around. Um, I was frustrated with it kind of remain frustrated with it but at the same time it's our schedule and now we gotta go out and play it and uh, our players are excited to get started but you know with um, our non-league schedule I, I really like this year uh, we go to Colgate we have Clarkson St. Lawrence in the building we have Sacred Heart in the building we have Dartmouth in the building we have a little uh, three games in a row with the uh, Dartmouth Brown and Yale I always tell guys we're the only Ivy that gives scholarships um, so we're going to get that series going, but it's uh, no. We're we're excited about our non-league schedule, and obviously the league schedule is always tough, always a grind. Uh, this year, opening up at Providence uh, on October seventh, I think will be the first game in New England played with fans. That should be an exciting oh, yeah. opportunity. Yeah, oh, we cool. originally we presented that as uh, it was our home game, um, but the league decided to play it at Providence, so that's what we're going to do. Um, but we're excited about it. It should be a nice thing for our players, and and hopefully for our fans, and hopefully it's a great way to start the season. Do you guys have an exhibition? I know sometimes teams will do it, sometimes teams don't. Sometimes teams don't. But do you have one in there the week prior? It, right now we're playing Moncton, uh, and two months ago I would have thought that game wasn't going to happen. Uh, but it sounds like things are moving in a bit of a better direction. I didn't even think yeah with the border right? with the border. <laughs> I didn't so, even consider that. But yeah. East, in Eastern Canada, specifically uh, the Moncton and the the PEI in that area has been was hit probably the least in Canada. Mm. Um, so hopefully that border will open. Uh, the, the coach certainly feels like he has a chance to come here. I think a month ago he felt like it was very, very uh, remote chance that they'd be here. So we're hoping. Uh, the second thing that the, right now uh, college hockey is trying to get past is potentially an exhibition game with uh, another team, Division One team, 
Division three team, club team. I was going to say, they do that in basketball. Yes. Like, basketball D1s can play D2s in exhibitions or even D3s. I always wonder why they just do that in hockey. It just makes so much sense. It does. You know, when I played at Dartmouth, which was moons ago, but we used to play um, – we used to play Middlebury and Norwich in exhibition games before we started. Uh, and we actually were also playing McGill, so I don't know how many exhibition games we played, but quite a few. But uh, right now, uh, you're not allowed to do that. It would be a great thing if you could. Uh, yeah, well, think, it would count uh, towards your 34, right? Is that well, we're trying to get like it that? on top of the 34, yeah, so it would be a 35th sense. game. It just makes sense. It, it would be awesome for us. And, you know, right now we're sharing that Moncton weekend with UNH, and so – if that Mike thing falls out, if that rule passes, then hopefully we'll just play UNH either here or there. There you go. There you go. Um, what are some of the, the the keys to success for this year? I want to get into talking about you know some of the guys coming back and, and stuff. But overall, if you were going to have to look at these are some of our keys to success as you kind of enter the new season because it's middle of July. I mean, it sounds crazy, but two two and a half, oh, two months the kids are back in school and three months you guys are playing hockey again. Uh, what are some of the, the keys to success over the course of the whole year and, and even maybe at the beginning of the year as you first kind of get back into it? Well, the good thing at the beginning of this year is it's the first year we'll enter with experience, um, really experience from the goal out. Uh, so that's an exciting thing for us to start. Um, but certainly we'll start in, on the back end. You know, I think our goalie, um, you know, Bougiel did a really good job last year, uh, played well. I thought they had the team's confidence. We're really comfortable uh, with Troy Coburn, who was here the last two years. And then our recruit and Hugo Olas, I think, has a chance to be really special. So it will take him a while to get going, but we're very comfortable with our other two. And uh, I think that's the key to our success. Like, we're, we're good in the back end. I think we'll break pucks out well. And when you can do that, you can be successful. We have a lot of depth up front. Um, the biggest thing for us is going to have players – uh, really uh, accepting their roles, playing into those roles quickly. The hard thing for a junior on our team right now is when they arrived here, they all played bit, very big roles. They all played power play. They all played PK. Uh, they all played top nine. Um, and as our team has improved, their opportunities in some cases have been diminished, uh, but they need to be all-stars in those roles. And if we can get them to that point, uh, get our team uh, to that, you know, out of that kind of storming phase quickly, I think we have a chance to be a pretty good hockey team. Let's talk about some of the new guys. You, you mentioned Hugo Olas. Hard, it's going to be hard not to notice him at six foot eight and the goaltender. A New York Rangers pick. But I was interested. How do you make contact with that guy? How do you discover that guy? I mean, he's playing over in Sweden. He's not. Sometimes you get international players that come over here and they play in the USHL for a year or something like that. And that's kind of where they're they're picked up. But how did he uh, how did he end up on your radar? Well, ironically, I think there's going to be a lot more Swedes and and uh, Europeans in the league this year than there have been in the past. Uh, early in the recruiting process last year, there was no hockey being played here, uh, but the Swedish U20 league was playing aggressively from September on. So that was really the only hockey we could watch. Uh, it was all on video, obviously. Uh, so we, we went through the process. We were really watching a defenseman on his team who's coming, Ivan Ziflak, um, and really liked him. But it was hard not to notice this big goalie just yeah. kept, kept, kept getting hit by pucks. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of uh, what I thought Hellenbuck was when we played against mm -hmm. him. Uh, and he just... He was just impressive, and so uh, we were really excited when he had interest in college. And so when we went through that process with Ivan, Ivan committed to us first. Mm -hmm. yep. um, we were not originally aware that they were good buddies, um, and then as we started to get more aggressive in recruiting Hugo, we, f we figured that out, and 
Um, he dealt with a lot of schools, but I think it helped that Ivan was coming. Uh, I think it helped that, you know, in our situation, uh, the, the, there was a perceived need uh, for someone like him to come in and, and bolster our back end. And um, I think that, you know, he's, he's going to do just that. And I think it's for those kids who are coming directly from Europe or foreign countries, coming to a school like Merrimack, a smaller school, um, you know, not, um, not as established as some of the powers in our league, you know, it gives them an opportunity to feel like they're going to make an impact earlier. And I think that's exciting to him. Do you deal with the Rangers organization at all? I mean, having they drafted him the year before, so I mean, are they do you, are they involved in that process or, or advising him? I'm sure there's probably some advisement going on there. They they own his rights. I'm sure they're going to right. want to be involved to a certain extent. No, we did. We dealt with them quite a bit actually, and, and they were great. Um, the biggest thing they were trying to do is get him in a North American rank, you know, because yeah. they didn't want him to stay over there because they wanted him to develop. Um, and we dealt with their scouts and their head of player development quite a bit. Um, and got their confidence, and, and they certainly helped us in the process. Uh, another guy coming in was a guy that was originally going to come in last year, I believe, and then the COVID shut down the border, and he ended up playing juniors for one more year as Mark Hillier, who had a great year at St. Andrews two years ago. Uh, played, I think, a few exhibition games in the BCHL last year. They never really got going, uh, and he ended up was – it, was it Newfoundland? Or? He, he was in Summerside. Summer, yeah, okay. Summerside. Uh, what – are your impressions of him? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about him last year, but it certainly seems like a guy that can come in and, and potentially provide some offense, even as a freshman. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing with Mark is so Mark made the decision himself not to come in. Um, and originally, uh, I thought it was a great decision because, you know, when Newfoundland got shut down, when the, the virus hit last year, and he wasn't leaving Newfoundland, and you weren't getting into Newfoundland, and that's why they had so few cases of COVID. Um, so he uh, just didn't feel like he had the opportunity to train like he needed to train before coming here. He lives in Labrador, not a lot of opportunity there to skate, not a lot of opportunity to really train with a, a strength trainer. Uh, so he just felt unprepared and thought it would be better to go play junior. That kind of blew up, obviously, the way the whole thing worked. Um, and then he uh, went this year. He's still in Newfoundland, or Labrador, because he's not really supposed to go into Toronto where he was going to train. Uh, he's found some, you know, some ability to get on ice a little bit. I think he's going to be a little bit behind when he gets here, uh, but you can't you can't argue about his IQ and his ability to move the puck. It's um, it's elite, you know. And I think it's a matter of when. Uh, and I don't think he was going to get any better in junior hockey. He was the best player at Surrey, quickly became the best player at Summerside. Uh, he needs to not be the best player. And I think in junior hockey, wherever he played, he may very well have been a top center. So um, you know, we talked to him about the grind that we think he's going to be in here. I don't think he's going to help us win in October, but I do think he's going to help us win in March. You know, it's funny. Olas was a guy that you said a lot of schools were on. I know a lot of schools were on Hillier. Another guy that I wanted to talk about next is another one where I know a lot of schools were on him, but you still you won the recruiting battle is Matt Capone, who's uh, coming in as a freshman. I do some work at Neutral Zone, and Ian Moran, who works over there, former NHL defenseman, absolutely loves this kid. He said he's, he can score, uh, but every time I've heard Ian talk about Matt Capone, he said, you will not find a harder compete level in the rink. He said he's just, guys hate playing against him because he never stops. Uh, what was, what's your impression of Capone, and also uh, what went behind the decision to bring him in next year? Because I think he's a true freshman next year. Right? He's a true freshman. He's an 3 um, You know, Alex Jeffries didn't have a problem with that last yep, year. Yep. Um, and I, I think that... Matt Capone, and Ian's 100% correct, uh, Matt Capone's A game is his compete, and his B game is his compete, uh, and he's going to do that no matter where he plays. So I think that gives him an opportunity. He's skilled enough to play in your top six, uh, but he plays hard enough to play in your bottom six. So he's going to contribute to our team. He's another player that we had that conversation with, like, hey, you could go play junior. 
I don't think it's going to change your game much. It's going to give you another year of experience. Uh, it's also going to give you, you know, get a little bit older and what have you. But we think he can help us win. And, uh, again, another guy that I think it's going to be a, a struggle in the October uh, he's very well prepared for it. I told him about the traffic. I told him about the depth of our team. I told him about the number of returning players we had. Um, he just said, Coach, I'm ready for that. And I, I just love it. I love when a kid looks you in the eye and yeah. says that to you. You know, he, he belongs in your locker room, and Matt's going to do great things here. Yeah, I think Ian said last year he was doing, I don't know if it was a camp in the summer, or he was doing skills, or a three-on-three. He was doing something in the summer. Yeah, and, I and, believe it was skills. And, I, I know the story. Yeah, and Matt was part of it, and he was like, every other guy on the ice was like, dude, it's summer skills, like, calm down. And he's like, he doesn't know how to calm down. He's he's 100% all the time. Like, it, it doesn't matter. True. Very true, and I think that's great. You know, when you get a player like that, just a, just a personality like that, and you get to put that in your rink and practice, that's good for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Devlin O'Brien's the next guy up. I know he was a teammate of Mark Hillier, right? When they were both at St. Andrews, yes, they were. And he was he was another guy who was in the BCHL last year. They never really got going, but he was able to at least play a few exhibition games. I think at the beginning of the year, uh, before they they kind of got completely shut down. But uh, what are your impressions of of Devlin? So Devlin is uh, as complete a player as we've recruited here, um, and I think he he has an outstanding ability to be effective uh, on the wall. Uh, something that you know it's uniquely good uh, on the wall and he's um, gets over pucks he plays a heavier game he's not he's not overly big but he's hard to get the puck away from his habits are really good um, I think he's going to contribute early um, he did have they had a pod system at the end of the year in BC oh, yeah, they did get going a little and bit, he yeah. got injured before the pod started um, with a high ankle sprain uh, he was able to still get into 11 games at the end of it uh, it was very successful there um, he's also both him and Mark are similar in that they're, they're straight A students, and so getting in the school mattered to them. And I think from a Merrimack standpoint, if we had tried to push, uh, that wouldn't have been healthy for our program because yeah. they, they wouldn't have been happy about it. But um, Devlin is a really good player. That is, he's one of those guys. The more you watch, the more you like, um, and the more you trust. And so I'm excited about getting him to get here this year. Talked a little about Ivan Zivlak already, but another uh, Swedish-born player coming in next year, teammates of Hugo Olas, defensemen, uh, two Swedish defensemen, uh, Adam Arvidsson as well, also coming in. What about these two guys stands out? Uh, where do you think they kind of fit in on the blue line early in the year and then also kind of as the year develops? Well, it's funny. I, I talked to uh, UESA Zach Ewens yesterday. We were just talking about these two Swedish defensemen. I said the biggest thing that they got to get used to is going back for a puck in Lawler. You know, if going back for a puck in UMA, at UMass or at UNH won't be a problem. Yeah, going back for a puck here takes a lot of courage, and you need to move your feet because <laughs> the forecheck is moving his feet. Um, so, because most of the pucks here are 50-50 pucks, you know, you dump a puck at UNH, UMass, you get about 10 percent chance of getting it. Um, so, I think it's an adjustment period for them, very big. Ivan, ironically, a Swedish player, but he's six-two. He's a very good defender. Um, I expect him to play that role for us here. I think he can contribute offensively, but I think his biggest contribution will be on the defensive end. Um, Adam is a very good offensive player. He quarterbacks a power play. Uh, he will do that eventually here. Uh, really good hips on the blue line, gets pucks through. Uh, I think he's going to be a really successful offensive player. Um, similar to uh, Kelly Erickson at, at UNH, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a tad bit bigger, but a similar style of game as that, uh, where Ivan is much more of a North American game, and I think this rink is going to really fit him. Adam's dad was a, a forward in the NHL for a, a number of seasons, too. So it's interesting to see the dad is the forward and then son is the defenseman. Yeah, they, they, well, it's Adam Adam Arverson's dad was the one who played in the NHL. Yeah. So yeah. he's the offensive guy. But, yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's really the real cool thing that we've never met any of these people in person. It was all Zoom. 
Um, but we met all their families through that process, you know, multiple Zooms. And it's really exciting to get them over here because they're good kids. They're going to add to our campus. And, you know, like the guys on our team who are from Sweden, like, they're good students. And they'll, they'll add to the classroom and the community as well. So uh, we, we can't wait. They're very eager to get here. They've obviously had a whole different COVID experience than we've had. Um, but they, you know, they're excited about getting here as well. Uh, then some transfers. I mean, we can't – there's not college hockey or college sports in 2021 <laughs> without transfers. A uh, couple that I that I knew about and a couple that even when they were announced surprised me because I, I didn't realize that they were they had transferred. The first one is one of the ones that surprised me. Uh, Christian Felton, a defenseman, played at, at Bentley last year uh, in the BCHL before that. He's only going to be a sophomore. He's only played one year, so he's got a lot of eligibility left. Uh, how did that process come about with, with Christian Felton, and where do you think he fits in? Christian, we would watch Christian a lot at Kimball Union. Uh, he played in the, that big tournament that was here a couple of years ago. Uh, we had interest in him when he was at Kimball Union. Uh, his coach at Kimball Union was Timmy Whitehead, one of the best prep school coaches around. Obviously, a lot of experience, understands what it takes in college hockey. Uh, was a very big fan of his. He went out to Vernon and, and um, ended up at Bentley because they were on him early and made a commitment to him. I think if he had played a second year there, um, that he would have had an unbelievable season at Bentley last year. He really needed that extra year, but uh, for whatever reason, they brought him in last year. Um, I think he would say it was mildly successful, but not what he wanted for a role as a freshman and not maybe what he was told. I don't know. Um, but he just wanted to be in a different environment, more of a hockey environment, um, and he wanted to play in Hockey East, and you know we fell into that category, obviously, and um, I think he can help us. He's a right-shot guy who can move the puck. He gets up ice without the puck. Um, I liked his game at Kimball Union. I liked his game at Vernon, and you know I think he's going to make a nice contribution for us. He's a very, very uh, serious hockey player. Like That's what he wants to do. He'll really add to our culture. Colby Bukes is another defenseman coming in from Minnesota State. Uh, a guy that I remember, I think he was with Muskegon and was highly mm-hmm. recruited his, his last year, juniors, before he ended up with Mankato. Uh, kind of got stuck. I mean, Minnesota State's been a really good team the last two years. They've had a lot of upperclassmen, specifically on the blue line. Uh, so it kind of felt like he got just stuck behind some of those guys. But entering his junior year, a guy that in juniors put up a lot of points from from the blue line, uh, what do you see from him? Colby's a really good kid, number one. Uh, he got into a situation, as you described, where he, they were very deep. Uh, Mike Hastings, he's a good friend, the coach there. Uh, he wanted to have him back, you know, because he thought this was a year for him. I was going to say, yeah, they, lost, they lost some guys. They so. lost some guys, <laughs> and he, he was going to rely on them a little bit. Uh, Colby just wanted a different you know, a different uh, environment, and I think he's going to be a big help. He was a, We would have been kicking ourselves if we got him out of Muskegon because he was their captain. Yeah. He's very talented offensively. He can move a puck. He plays with a little risk to his game, uh, but I think you could argue that so doesn't Declan Carlisle and Zach Ewins, and they're always plus players for us, you know, because they add, they add to our game at both ends of the rink. Uh, Colby's similar. Uh, he only played two games last year. One of them that we watched, I thought he was a stud in the game. And when I talked to Coach Hastings, um, he, that almost put them in a position because they only they, he runs with his six. And when he put him into the game and he played so well, it kind of caused some competition he wasn't looking for because where his team was at. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Kobe ended up being the odd man out. But I think Kobe's he's a really good guy. Um, it's nice thing is he's going to come in with a chip in his shoulder and, and understands that he hasn't achieved what he hoped to achieve. He's had some major um, personal challenges in his personal life to get through. Uh, those are things I understand. Uh, so I'm excited about having him in the room. I'm excited about having him in the office. And uh, I think our team's going to be better because of him. Uh, Steven Jandrick comes in as a grad student, played at Denver last year. He was with uh, Fairbanks, uh, the, I think, the three previous years to yes. that. 
was a teammate of Max Newton, I believe, right? Were they line mates too? They were line mates. The year that Steve led uh, Alaska in scoring, uh, Max Newton was his center. Okay. So, I mean, obviously Max came in and had a pretty big impact last year. Is is Steven a kid that you see kind of coming in and maybe having the same type of impact? Certainly has experience. A grad student might be one of the older guys on your team. Well, you know, Max had so much success here and was such a smart player, added to our room immediately. Um that when we when Steven went into the transfer portal, we obviously talked to Max immediately. What could he bring? What could he do? Would you do you think he'd be successful in this league? Could he be successful with you playing with you again? And, and Max gave him high high review. We were trying to recruit him when I first got here, and he'd committed to Alaska. Oh, okay. um, when I, and Josh was on him already from Aramac, but he committed to Alaska before we even got to offer him. Uh, so we do have a history with him. Uh, he's a smart player. He's a hard player. Uh, I think that he got stuck last year at Denver. They're more of a white collar offensive team. Yeah. And that's not his game. Yeah, but we're a blue-collar offensive team, and I think he'll fit in with us really well. Um, excited to see who we can put you know, with those two that could make it an exciting group. But um, both he and Max are uh, heavy IQ players. Like, really been impressed with Max, and, and I think Steve's going to do the same thing. Uh, the last transfer is another one that I surprised me. I, didn't, I hadn't heard about it until I saw it announced. was Jake Durflinger, another transfer from Denver, another grad student, so another guy that's going to be bringing in a, a lot of experience to, to the roster this year. All you need to know about Durf is ask any player on our team who played in the USHL if they know him, and they will tell you they do and they hate him. Uh, <laughs> he's probably the most uh, disliked opponent, but respected opponent. I was going to say, that's not a bad thing you know, to be. <laughs> he's played in a lot of championship games at Denver. He's always played for them, played for them against us here. Uh, he's he and he's he's one of the very few players I've spoken to on the phone who understands where his value is and is excited about it. And I think that attitude is going to make our other guys in those roles better. I also think he's going to make our team going to walk around with a little bit more swagger. He's won a lot, uh, and that's what we need. You know, when you're trying to change something and move something, someone has to bring the swagger. You know, and if it's, it can be the school, you know, they get so overly committed that they do things for your program above and beyond. Um, with COVID and everything else, else that's happened, that's not going to happen here. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen anywhere, but it's not going to happen here either. Um, and so I think having someone like that come into your room who's had that success, who expects success, uh, does nothing but make you better. And uh, he, even today, I would tell you, having very little uh, interaction with our team, that he is a ace of a teammate. Um, just I love the way he's interacted with our roster so far, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching him. Uh, Jordan Seifert, we've talked a lot about him. Got hurt two years ago. Got hurt again last year. Uh, where do, have you talked? Where, where's he kind of at? Because he's another guy that I think is going to fly under the radar for a lot of people at the beginning of the year. But he was playing his best hockey. Mm two years in a row uh, when he ended up en uh, suffering season-ending injuries. So wh where does he kind of fit, and, and where is his kind of progress at, I guess, at this point in the summer? At this point, he's actually training 100%, so he should be ready for camp in the fall. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for Seif uh, because he's worked. So as, as much as any player has gotten injured and faced adversity, you know, most players in that situation detach from their team. Uh, he has not. You know, he is very connected, didn't miss a practice, didn't miss a game. It was noticeable at games. I mean, the guys would sit up behind, with nobody in the rink, the guys yeah. would sit up in that last row, and he's yelling, screaming. He was the most engaged guy up there. Uh, unbelievable. So unbelievable. I, I'm proud of him. You know, like, if he hasn't played another game here, I'm going to tell him he had a great career from a coach's standpoint. It would kill him, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. 
Uh, and he's going to make a huge impact on our team. You know, it, what, where it is, it's going to be how quickly he adjusts. He hasn't played in the game, as you said, in two years. Uh, I do remember Patrick Kramer got hurt two years ago against Northeastern. We moved Jordan into that spot. He played great, and then got hurt literally like the next practice. Yeah. Uh, so he's had a hard, uh, hard road, hard luck, but that also brings him back even hungrier. He's 100% right now. Um, he seems to be in a great place. Um, and he understands it's you know my biggest message to Jordan is be patient with yourself. Like you're not going to go out and be the player you were two years ago the first day. You're going to be a better player two months from now, and that's what he has to you know focus on. So as far as the roster for next year, is it set? Are you guys done? I mean, I know there's still some movement that can happen over the course of the summer, but the announce this is what you expect to have, or, or do you think there might be even some movement over the next month or two here? Because no. every once in a while you get like an August edition or something like that. If if there's an August edition that can make us better then our roster will change. Um, but right now we feel really comfortable with it, um, and we feel like we're, we're done for this year. Let's just get this team ready to go. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I'm looking. I'm just flipping through the roster here as we record this. And the first couple of years, like you said, your first year, maybe a lot of the guys that are juniors now, they were just locks for the lineup because they, they had to be. You're going to have some decisions to make. I mean, I'm going up and down the roster. Here. There's going to be a lot of competition for spots, which is what you want. I mean, that that's I think going to make practice better. It's ultimately going to make your team better. But there's going to be a lot of competition for ice time. I would think week to week, game to game, just thumbing up and down the roster here, looking at, at who's going to be available. I think that our players are well aware of that. Uh, I think they're excited by it. Uh, also, you know, they'll they'll be competitive because of it, but. I think um, you know we need to start our first practice. Our team needs to. You know, last year was a difficult year for everybody, and so th- I'm not saying this is unique to our squad, but uh, we need. We didn't get together last year at all as a team. There were freshmen on our team last year who never met our seniors unless they saw them at the rink, unless they were sitting in the same room with them, yeah. uh, because we didn't sit in the same locker room all year. So it was really a disjointed year. So I think the biggest thing for us is let's get let's get our team together quickly. Let's make sure our practices are the most competitive they've ever been. And then you don't, and as I say this to the players all the time, I don't make the lineup. I just announce it. You know, Monday through Thursday, you make it. Uh, and so I think this year, you're right. We're going to have people in the stands who could easily be playing for us at, in that game. Um, but that would be a Friday-Saturday thing that could be helpful. Um, yeah. it, it could be a real good thing for our team. I'm, I'm a, it, the biggest thing is going to be for our team to accept roles. And if we do that and we play for each other, we could have a lot of fun. Recruiting's back open again. I mean, have you guys been out there? I'm sure from a lot of guys I talked to, they said they couldn't wait. Like that day hit, you can go out and recruit again and it didn't care if it was local or needed to go somewhere. It didn't matter. They were going somewhere to go look and watch hockey because you guys have just been out of the rinks for so long. It's funny that the, um, the first time, you know, I was in Buffalo with the select 17s and that was my first time in the rink. And, you know, half the people you've seen for the first time, who you would have seen almost monthly yeah. before. So I, um, yeah, it's been great. Josh and Dan have been beating the path very heavy. Um, I think it's it's good. It's good for, you know, last year's the real hard thing was like for the 2000 birth year, the last year in junior, they had no one in the rank. What a brutal experience, brutal op- to create opportunities for yourself. Uh, I think you'll see the opposite now happen to like the O2s and O3s and O4s. Now the guys are finally in the ranks. They're going to be going crazy. <laughs> it's going to get flooded um, with it. So we, we need to do a good job of making sure we don't get over eager, uh, continue to be patient, but, you know, bringing the players will be successful for us. Do you think some of the stuff will kind of stick around? I know, like, outside of hockey, just other businesses, they're saying, you know, we didn't do any Zoom stuff before, but that might be a thing now. Like, we, we've gotten used to it. Like, maybe we don't have to get together as a company, you know, once a week, 50 people at a table. Maybe it's easier to do it on Zoom. Do you think some of the stuff that kind of got introduced over 
the pandemic may stick around, either from a recruiting standpoint, but also just like within your team? I, I think some of it will. Um, but the biggest thing, and I think this even for companies, and, and obviously there's no company asking me this question, but I would say, you know, the personal the contact, the personal touch, the, the opportunity to see someone when they're talking to you face-to-face, see their emotions. I think it's so important from a uh, athletic standpoint, from a coach's standpoint. I actually think it's important in all kinds of, you know, professions. And so I think some things will stick. But I really think we need to be careful at how much sticks. And uh, we'll use Zoom now, which we ne- never would have done before. Yeah. We definitely will do it, uh, planning on at the end of this month, early August, introduce our team to each other. Um, but we'll minimize it because I don't think it can be effective to build a team. They're probably also sick of it, too. I can't imagine. These guys have been in Zoom mm-hmm. classes and everything else. The kids are probably, the players are probably just done with it. Like they probably- <laughs> I, I, last year, I had this whole thing scheduled. Like we did it all summer. And we had some great speakers that came on and spoke to us about many different things. Um, and then I had it planned for the fall, too. And when I talked to the, the older guys on the team last year, they just asked me if we would just stop them. He says, you know, we're just not getting anything out of them because we're so bored of the just the process. Yeah, and, I can see that. And they have to go to school that way. So, um, yeah, so we, we didn't. But we will use it intimately, certainly the rest of the summer. Have you guys decided on captains yet at all? Is that something that will happen in the fall? That will happen probably in the fall. Uh, people talk about us, us having a lot of returning guys, but we have 10 new players. Yeah. Um, and I think that the leadership of this team, uh, I've told many people, and I, I hate to say this because then because he gets probably too much pub sometimes, but if Michael Babcock was our captain in the last couple of years, we would have been a playoff team. And uh, leadership is that important, and I think that we need to make sure we have a lot of guys who would be great candidates for it. We need to make sure that the team kind of picks their leaders I noticed Michael's gotten into coaching now too. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to go with his dad. Yeah, uh, and you know not what? a bad mentor to have for your first coaching job. <laughs> Unbelievable, and such. And his and Michael picked going to USAS before his father did. So Michael, oh really? Yeah, he was already in the process of going there. Uh, we had talked about it. I'd written him a recommendation for it. He, I think, had been accepted probably a month, a month or maybe two months before that happened with his father. So I think and they have a house in Saskatchewan, yeah. so there's a natural bond there. But I, I really think that Michael going there might have lit, in the fire, lit a fire under his dad to actually do it. And so, you know, his dad went to McGill, so he'll understand CIS really well, and that should be a great experience for both of them. Yeah, for sure. For I don't sure. expect Mike to be in college hockey very long. Mike Senior <laughs> to be in college hockey very long. Well, yeah, there was rumors that it may something happen over the summer. I was like, he may not even get, yeah. get, to, the, get to season number one. I don't know. <laughs> Talking to Michael Jr., it seems like that he's really committed and excited about it. So I would think it will happen later if it happens. Uh, any final, I don't want to keep it too long, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I just think we're really excited about the year. We're hopeful that, um, you know, to get off to a good start and get everybody across the border who has to get across the border and get our team together in late August. And I think this is going to be the, the best, deepest year in Hockey East that I can remember because everybody's going to, everybody, you know, when you have new coaches at Maine and Vermont, uh, and they have the transfer portal. They got a chance to get a jump start on upgrading their program quickly, and they yeah. both have. Uh, so I, I think you're not going to have a bottom team. You know, the 11th place team in our league can beat the first place team in our league. And I don't know who either one of those is going to be, but uh, I'm very confident this year is going to be it's going to be a tong war every night, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be part of. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter 
at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site at The Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user, you can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye. <laughs>